Welcome to The Snap with Alexis Perry and Sydney Jones. Happy Wednesday, Broncos country, and happy Veterans Day. Thanks so much for tuning in to the latest edition of The Snap. I'm Sydney Jones, and per usual, I'm joined by the lovely Alexis Perry. We're going to jump right into our long snap segment today because we have a fantastic show planned with a fantastic guest. The fabulous Amy Trask is joining us to chat about her career, the Broncos Raiders rivalry, and so much more. Amy is the former Raiders CEO and now works as an analyst for CBS Sports, where she's a panelist on that other pregame show, and we need to talk, both of which can be found on CBS Sports Network. Amy, it is such a pleasure to meet you. Thanks so much for joining us on The Snap today. Well, it is a pleasure to join you. Thank you for inviting me to do so. Absolutely. Amy, let's dive right in. You've had an absolutely tremendous career in multiple areas of the sports industry and have made history in the NFL. You know, not a lot of people can say that. You were the first woman to become a CEO of an NFL team. How much did that accomplishment mean to you? It wasn't something I thought about at the time. Uh, and certainly the subject has come up uh, quite a bit since then. You know, I'm, I'm scared to think about how young you were and many of your listeners and your avid followers were, some of <laughs> whom weren't even born, maybe not even you, back when I started my career. But the reason I note that is when I started my career with the Raiders in the sort of early part of the mid-80s, there was no discussion about women in sports or women in the NFL. It, it wasn't a topic that was, you know, front and center. It wasn't a topic at all, let alone front and center. And that's perhaps too long of a way to answer your question, which is to say, I never really thought about it. I did my job. Yeah, I hate to say it, Amy, but I was a 90s baby, so I was not born yet. Uh, you know, I kind of knew that, and I, was, I think I was trying to block it from my mind. But, um, you know, all teasing aside, when you think about it, and look, you, you mentioned it in the introduction, a tremendous, fierce rivalry between the Broncos and the Raiders. Um, but I had some very, very special relationships with people at the Broncos. And, and, you know, as you know, things are different, not on game day than they are on game day. Uh, but even Bronco fans listening to this who absolutely cannot stand the Raiders, um, well, I think if they're intellectually honest, recognize that Al Davis hired me, a girl at the time. I was young. I was a kid at a time when other people wouldn't have even thought to do so. Yeah. What did it mean to have someone like him have so much faith in you and, and trust in you regardless of your gender? You didn't see much of that back in the day, like you mentioned. Well, you're absolutely right. It was without regard to gender. And, um, you know, he, Al hired without regard to race, gender, ethnicity, or any other individuality, which has no bearing on whether someone can do a job. Um, and you know what? He fired in the same way. So, you know, that's the way it should be. You should, your job should be based on merit without regard to race, gender, religion, ethnicity, or as I said, any individuality, which has no bearing on whether one can do a job. And for him to do that in the 80s was really quite something. It really was. Now let's start at the beginning of your career. Walk us through what your path looked like to become the Raiders CEO. I think I read online that you got your first internship with the Raiders when you were in law school. Okay. Right. Um, I, went to, I, my, I went to college up, I'm, I'm from Los Angeles, went to college up at Cal Berkeley, 
the Raiders were in Oakland at the time. I fell in love with everything about the team. The fact that it was owned by someone who gave people second and third and fourth chances when mm-hmm. other people wouldn't give them any chances. He gave chances to people that others had been lab- that had labeled behavior problems. And, you know, I was labeled a behavior problem in kindergarten. And that <laughs> label stuck with me all the way through high school. And a lot of people say it's still an appropriate label for me. Um, but be that as it may, and, you know, I can be a lot of trouble. That's the ethos of the Raiders. Al didn't care if someone else thought you were a behavior problem. So when I returned to Los Angeles for grad school, I contacted the team and asked about doing an internship. And that's when everything started. Well, tell us about the decision to go to law school. Did you have any idea that you wanted to work in an NFL front office at that point? No, I did not. Um, You know, I was probably one of a zillion kids that went to law school never, ever, ever intending to practice law um, a moment in my life. But I went for the background it would give me for business, and that was a tremendous background. And it also offered me a little bit more gravitas, if you will, because at the time, back in the early 80s, you know, as a woman going into business, that law degree gave me a little bit of extra oomph, if you will, in in many regards. So I I went to law school. I had no... um, particular plan in mind. I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer. I didn't, you know, I always said, I'm never going to see the inside of a courtroom. And then of course I joined the Raiders and umpteen times I was a witness in a courtroom and um, (laughs) sat there with Pat Bolin at at times, Mm -hmm. but uh, I joined the Raiders and, you know, I never, ever, ever had a plan or a strategy or my eye on a particular role in the organization. I was so thrilled to be working for the team that I loved that if I was told my job was, you know, standing on the sidelines during games and picking up the scrunched up cups and throwing them away, I would have been honored to do so because I was part of a team. So, you know, people ask me all the time, what was your strategy? What was your plan? I didn't have one. I was so thrilled to be part of the organization that my plan, if you will, if you will, was to work as hard as I could and do as much as I could and contribute as much as I could in any way that I could. And that's what I did. And, you know, at one point during my career, someone said to me, and someone very close to me for whom I have tremendous respect and, and I adore and said, you know, you need to have a five-year plan. And I looked at this person. I said, I don't want a five-year plan. I, I just, I, I'm doing my job. I'm working as hard as I can. I'm working harder than I thought I ever could. I'm contributing as best as I can. I don't want a plan. And then I followed up by saying, and that whole five-year plan thing didn't work out so well for the Russians anyway. So I don't need a five-year plan. <laughs> You know, it's funny, you know, nowadays, like in college, that's one of the things they ask you, what's your five-year plan? What do you want to do after college? And how do you want to get to your end goal? But most of the time, your five-year plan doesn't work out the way you think it is. And, you know, it it doesn't surprise me to hear that you say that that's something that's, you know, discussed now in school. I can't tell you how many times during my career, whether with the Raiders or in the other jobs I've had since then, people have said to me, you know, how do we end up with a job like yours? What do we do to get where you are now? And I would say to them, and and this would be like sort of right after they joined the organization, and I would say, do you notice when you get here in the morning that my car is already in the parking lot? And I kind of a blank stare. And I'd say, and do you notice when you leave at night, my car is still in the parking lot? 
know, hard work matters. It really, really matters. It really does, especially in the sports industry where jobs are so limited. But Amy, within those first couple of years with the Raiders, you know, you had your internship and then you got hired full time. Was there ever a point within those first few years where you thought, you know what, I want to be the CEO of this team? Never, ever, ever. And that is the honest to goodness truth. I just didn't have a trajectory in mind. I wanted to contribute. I wanted to help. I wanted to be involved in any manner I could. I was a teammate. And that's the way sports organizations are. You're a teammate. And by the way, that's the way all businesses should be. You're a teammate. So honest to gosh, no, I did not have that in mind. When did you realize that maybe you wanted to be or that you were on the path that you could be an NFL CEO? Well, I clearly knew that I was gaining um, responsibility and I was growing within the organization. I'm not suggesting for a moment that I didn't understand my role was growing and my responsibility was growing and my authority was growing to some extent. You might know this. I worked for someone who had ultimate control and authority and didn't hesitate to, uh, to use that. But, you know, obviously I was aware that my role was growing, my responsibility was growing, I had a greater um, involvement in all areas of the non-football areas, I should say. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the title itself, that came as a big surprise to me. I've never cared about titles. I think titles are unimportant. In some regards, I think titles are just bothersome and counterproductive. So I never had my eye on a title so when Al bestowed that on me, I was surprised by the title. I clearly wasn't surprised that my role was growing. I, I had perceived that. Mm -hmm. Well, today there is a huge community of support around women in sports, like this podcast, for example. We have so much support surrounding this podcast, but I don't know if that would have been the case a few years back. Specifically back when you first started in the industry, there were very few women working in football. What was that like back then? And were there any challenges that you faced in that regard? Uh, well, you know, as you noted, this didn't exist many years ago. So back when I started my career, um, you know, oh, you've already pointed out how long ago that was. And I'm teasing you, of course, <laughs> and, and all in good fun. Um, it wasn't even a discussion. When I attended my first league owners meeting, I was the only woman in the room. So not only was there no discussion and no platform of the nature you're describing in this terrific podcast that you have, it wasn't even a topic. And by the way, if it was, with whom would I be speaking about it? I was the only woman in the room. You know, did I face challenges? Sure. Do I think I would have faced challenges even without regard to gender? I do. Um, I was young. I was younger than many people in the organization. I was more junior than many people in the organization. But Al singled me out to take me to that owner's meeting. And, you know, I, I didn't go over well with some people. So, um, did I face challenges? Yes. Do I think I would have also faced challenges if I wasn't a woman? Yes. Uh, people ask me all the time, was I tested because I was a woman? I don't know the answer to that. Let's assume I was tested because I was a woman. I think I would have been tested even if I wasn't a woman. Uh, people are tested all the time. They're tested because of their race, their gender, their ethnicity, their age, their seniority, their educational background, umpteen reasons well, what's the best thing to do when you're tested? Pass the damn test. So that's where I put my energy. And, you know, as we've discussed already, there were no other women in the room. 
So these weren't conversations that were going on. Yeah. Over the years, how special has it been for you to see the number of women working in sports continue to grow since you first started in the industry? It's, it's terrific. There are some fantastic women in the league now, as you know, I'm doing all sorts of jobs. Uh, someone who joined the league while, you know, not that many years after me, I'm sorry, I don't know the number of years, but we were in the league for a while together. Jeannie Bonk with the Chargers, mm-hmm. also an AFC West woman. Yeah. Uh, Hannah Gordon did an internship for the Raiders, and she is, while I was with the Raiders, she was an intern for us. She is now general counsel and, and holds other titles at the San Francisco 49ers. So there are some really terrific women around the league. And, you know, I know Jeannie and I know Hannah and, you know, they do their job and they do their jobs very, very well without regard to gender. Now, Amy, you mentioned the Chargers and you talked about the Broncos Raiders rivalry a little bit earlier. You know, you've seen this Broncos Raiders rivalry from the start and have seen it grow throughout the years. Outside of being division rivals, why do you think this rivalry is so strong? Oh, the fans. fans. Um, Everybody knows how I feel about Raider fans. They've been special to me from the first day of my career. They are still special to me. I will forever have their backs. But you know what? I fully recognize and appreciate the passion of Bronco fans for the Broncos. It is a fierce rivalry. Um, But it, it's a, it, you know, I don't, it, I would say the same thing for the Raiders and the Chiefs, or perhaps the Broncos and the Chiefs and the Chargers and the teams. The AFC West, those were ferocious, ferocious rivalries. And I use that in the best sense of the word. Uh, and yet, as much as we were competitors on game day and would have done anything we could to win, even if our role was in the front office, we collaborated when it wasn't game day. Uh, Pat Bolin played a very, very special role in my career when he understood not too long after I joined the organization that I wanted to find a way to resolve the litigation between the Raiders and the league. He was the first owner of another team who said to me, I see what you're trying to do. How can I help you? And we had a very, very strong working relationship. But yeah, that day that we beat the Broncos in a playoff game in LA, and he was on the sideline cheering on his team, thinking for a moment that kick they made was good and it wasn't, nothing delighted me more than beating the Broncos. And yet I loved working with Pat on any number of league matters. And, you know, I had a tremendous working relationship with Joe Ellis. Um, So, yeah, we wanted to beat one another on game day. And any of us, even in the front office, would have done anything we could to do that. But we were colleagues when it wasn't game day. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that story, Amy. Now, I know you haven't worked for the team since 2013, but I have to get your thoughts on their move to Vegas. Uh, Mixed emotion, and they're not mutually inconsistent. For the fans that are thrilled with the move and are following the team to Vegas and will enjoy the move, I'm thrilled for them. For the fans that are heartbroken by the move, my heart breaks for them. And those aren't mutually inconsistent. Many people think they are, but they aren't. My dad is actually a huge Raiders fan. He has been his whole life. So it was funny when I got this job, he was like, of course, out of all the teams in the NFL, it had to be the Broncos. Um, But he was actually really excited about the move to Vegas because he loves Vegas, as most people do. But I can't imagine the people in Oakland, how upset they are too. Now, a couple more for you, Amy. You now work as an analyst for CBS Sports. 
what has the transition been like from a front office position such as a CEO to you know the broadcast industry now? Uh, wild, interesting, different. Uh, I'm doing something I swore I would never, ever, ever do, and that is sitting in front of a camera. It terrifies me. Uh, I was so scared my first year. I was, you know, one of my colleagues held my hand under the table. Uh, I told the producer I thought I was going to throw up all over myself, to which he responded, ooh, that'd be great. We'd get so many YouTube views. Uh, <laughs> but in, in looking into that camera, I'm facing my biggest fear. And um, the team at CBS Sports Network is magnificent. They help me in every possible way they can. And I've learned to like it over time. And it's, um, I think the biggest adjustment for me was the different feeling on game day. Because no longer are you in, you know, the mode of we are, you know, you're with one team. We have to win. We have to win. We have to win. But you're still involved in game day. Only you're looking at every game, not just one game. Well, you mentioned that it was a huge fear of yours being in front of the camera. So how did you overcome that fear or how are you still overcoming it? I was a good thing you just changed it from how did I to how am I because it's an ongoing process. <laughs> uh, you know, with the encouragement and support of everyone on the CBS Sports and CBS Sports Network team and also learning to let go a little bit of my fear and learning to kind of look that fear dead in the eye and say, all right, I can do this. So it doesn't mean it's not still scary, but I'm learning to overcome the fear. Now, through all of your experiences in the sports industry, Amy, what's one piece of advice you would give women looking to get in the industry, regardless of their position? The same advice um, my mother gave me. It's the best advice I've received in my whole life. My mother told me this from the time I was a very little girl. Uh, and as moms can do over and over and over again, she told me this. And as kids can do, especially when they're preteens and teens, I would roll my eyes. But it's the best advice I've ever received. To thine own self be true. Uh, I didn't realize until I was in college that that was actually Shakespeare who wrote that, not my mom. Uh, <laughs> and she was simply quoting him. But the reason I would offer that is there are a lot of people who will tell um, women and men but you ask the question with respect to women that will tell women how they should comport themselves, how they should respond to certain situations, how they should react to certain situations. And my answer is to thine own self be true. Not all women are the same. Not all women want to react in the same way or respond in the same way or comport themselves in the same way any more than men want to do that. So my advice to young women is the same as it is to young men, but you asked with respect to young women, to thine own self be true. Do what works for you. Amy, that's absolutely great advice from your mom. I need to take that to heart, to be honest. But Amy, thanks so much for joining us on The Snap today. We absolutely love the conversation, and I know our listeners will too. Uh, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to join you, and good luck with your podcast and your work. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of The Snap. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Broncos Podcast Network. And be on the lookout for another episode next Wednesday.